back at Meet Unshackled. And the clock just started. Uh, maybe. The clock's about to start. Uh, we are here at Meet Unshackled at MJ Unpacked. We are thrilled to be joined by another group of really cool individuals. First of all, shout out to our sponsors, Pure 5, Jack Herrera, one of the best legacy brands of cannabis, Cali FX, going to be hot coming out of California. We really appreciate your support, and we are thrilled to be joined. Today we have my co-counsel, my <laughs> co-host, Lou. Lou, do you want to introduce yourself quickly? Lou Magazoo, Vineland, New Jersey, practicing lawyer for 40 years and delighted to be in this space and have represented about a half a dozen clients and uh, and a friend of yours. And happy to be here is kind of like where I, whatever role I am, like right. Ed McMahon to your Johnny Carson, yeah, whatever well, it is. Yeah, but you and you can ask the tough questions. And the uh, way we, this, this is one of the cool ones that I like the best, where I'm getting to know Jay and I'm getting to know Greta on a personal basis. So is Lou. And we really don't know each other that well, even though we're from the same state. We really, really haven't hung out. But you have these conversations, MJ and Pack. Hey, Jay, how are you doing? What do you do? And then you have this networking thing. We do this uh, live on M- uh, Meet Unshackled so that people can network from the comfort of their home. They can say, oh, that Greta seems like a pretty cool individual. She's got some pretty cool brands. i got to reach out to her. I didn't even know those brands existed. So we're going to get into you guys and talk about casually who you do, uh, what do you do, where you're from, all that kind of stuff. And we will start, ladies first, with ladies Greta. First. Where where are you from, and how did you get into the cannabis industry? Yes, uh, Greta Brandt. Um, I'm president of the Flower Shop. We're a multi-state, vertically integrated um, operator. We have um, operations in Arizona, Utah. We are recently expanding to New Jersey, and then hopefully going to Florida. Um, I entered into the cannabis industry um, as a lawyer. I served as general counsel um, for the flower shop for about five years before transitioning into operations and into the position that I am now. So unique. So I got to see the, you know, the legal, the compliance aspect of it, and then understanding the business aspect was extremely helpful for me. And so what year did you start with the flower shop? 2016. 2016. Congratulations on that. The flower shop is Arizona. Great dispensary brand in Arizona. Yes. Do you have any clients that are looking for retail partners, Lou? I'm sure we could talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Prob- it's a wonderful brand. Um, you know, the, the stores are gorgeous. I, I rebranded the the operations from Sky Dispensaries to the Flower Shop to really uh, destigmatize or at least provide the excuse for individuals to come into the facilities. Um, we had a big problem, you know, especially in then removing, you know, armed bodyguards. That was a huge thing in Arizona that everybody wanted armed bodyguards at the, at the uh, you know, the entrance of your dispensaries, which is very off-putting. You know, my job coming into this position right. was really trying to get more women into the industry, getting more women to be more cons- uh, to be customers, consumers, etc. Um, and so, part of that required a flip of the switch for uh, you know, changing up our security guard protocols, um, redoing our interiors to be more reflective to what women and men would expect. Really trying to put this as a retail versus a smoke shop vibe. Um, and so with that came just naturally progressions of, you know, really aesthetically pleasing um, decor, uh, you know, really putting an emphasis on customer experience. Well, I'm really proud of the team that they've done both in Arizona and Utah to implement that. Um, and as we grow our brand over on the East Coast, I'm excited to bring that as well. And so that's your retail brand. And you also have some, uh, and, and Jay will get to you here in a second. Um, and we also have some Four. MIPS brands, yes, so manufacturer use product brands. So yes, we do. We have four have? brands. Um, we recently launched our High Tide. This is a uh, infused cannabis seltzer brand. Um, phenomenal flavors um, in a dose of three milligrams and ten milligrams. They've got four flavors on the market right now. Um, 
again, you know, we use obviously nano emulsion, all of the, you know, that that's that type of technology to provide the quick effect to really mimic what it is to have a beer or a glass of wine. The job for me with High Tide is really trying to entice um, alcohol users to come and try cannabis. And through this, those two dosage forms, I believe that we will be able to be attractive to the alcohol users. We also, um, most excited um, is we've launched a female focused brand called Ladylike. Um, for me, uh, well, and, you know, for Ladylike is really an entrance brand into cannabis. Women are really trying to understand how cannabis can be incorporated, incorporated into their daily lives, how they can still feel being a good wife, a good mother, a good partner, um, will, and also with not feeling completely intoxicated. So uh, we created a uh, female-focused brand uh, specifically addressing uh, cannabinoid profiles that are attractive to women, what they're looking for, what I'm looking for when I'm consuming. I want lower dosage. I want a cannabinoid profile that really complements what I'm trying to accomplish, which is I don't want the munchies. So we've got, you know, THCV, We've got CBC, CBG, CBD, and THC. So a really full spectrum cannabinoid profile, which is in our gummies, our vapes, our mints, our hard candies. Um, and really looking forward to expanding that into some uh, pre-rolls that have those cannabinoids, those strains that have those cannabinoids. Very nice. And the third brand? We have Shorties. It's a pre-roll um, brand that's been in the market in Arizona for the past three and a half years um, and where I found a need to have a um, to bring shorties to the market specifically in Arizona is I couldn't finish a one gram or a half gram pre-roll um, being new into cannabis I just couldn't finish it and it felt like a waste so bringing a smaller dosage uh, pre-roll a 0.35 like a dog walker enough that I could step outside when my kids are taking a bath or you know before making dinners take a, you know smoke a small pre-roll and then head back inside um, so those uh, shorties come in that uh, 10, there's 10 units, uh, uh, the total weight is 3.5. Um, it's priced cheaper than my um, eights underneath my high variety brand. And uh, we're able to be strain specific um, in our craft uh, cultivation facility in Glendale, Arizona. Nice. And there's a fourth brand in there, too? There's one more. Um, High Variety is our... I just like to get them all out uh, there. Yes. No, know. it's great. And these have all launched. I mean, Shorties has been in the market for the past three and a yeah. half years, but the other three are new to the market in Arizona and Utah. Both of those um, are existing in both states. And our High Variety brand is a is a um, effect-based brand. So it is broken up into um, you know, a, a sativa hybrid and in, in indica. And we've everything from flour, pre-rolls, all the way down to vapes and edibles. But we offer a five-gram can in a, and it's actually in a patented um, uh, nitrogen-infused um, can in a five, gram, uh, five grams. Arizona is extremely competitive right now, so really finding the edge there is important for us. Lou, what do you think? Do you have any questions? I'm very impressed. I think what I'd like <laughs> to do is uh, get Jay and then uh, maybe absolutely engage in a conversation. Yes, and, and, and Jay, if you have any questions about these brands, because we have Media USA, we're all about the brand, brand, brands, and MJ Unpacked is all about the brand, brand, brands. But let's first get Jay introduced properly. Jay, tell us about what you do. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Mita, for having me. And uh, it's a privilege to be you know, sharing the spot with Lou and Greta here. <laughs> Uh, you know, Jay Verdi, Chief Sales Officer for the Cannabis Specialty Practice Group at Hub International. Hub International is a top five global broker, but by far we are the market leader when it comes to supporting the cannabis industry. And, you know, we talk about something that usually gets kicked down the list of priorities when everybody's in such growth mode and trying to take on all of these rules and regulations and 
uh, growing in different states is is insurance and it doesn't get really talked about enough because it is quite the challenge there is definitely a significant premium when it comes to operating a cannabis business and uh, insurance is one of them so we take great pride in really being advocates and uh, you know talking to the insurance companies that are the providers to really say that this is any other legitimate business. If so, it's probably even a more favorable business Mm -hmm. for you to kind of support as opposed to some of the other industries that you're in that don't have all these rules and regulations and a higher level of operation. So uh, yeah, kind of my claim to fame to cannabis was I was one of the first few underwriters to write policy number one when it became legal north of the border. I am from Toronto. But my responsibility is that of a global practice group for cannabis. Well, we appreciate that. <laughs> you know, there's three <laughs> lawyers <important>. here, <laughs> so we like insurance. Exactly. Yes, we do. We, yes, we insurance do. Insurance is a good idea. It, you know, and Dimitri, I always find this very interesting. Is is when operators should engage with um, product liability insurance. You know, I think you've got a lot of operators that are trying to understand: is when do we? When should we? When do we need it? Yeah. Um, and I don't know what your I hope I'm not stepping on. No, no, no. Step away. I find that is an interesting (laughs) question that I would love your insight on, you know, whether that's from your business perspective or what. what, But we just remember, we promise not to be too tough. Okay. Yes. 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 (laughs) I'll be ready ready for the tough questions. Don't worry about that. He's confident. I love Um, it. You know, for the product recall specifically, you know, anytime you have a product that is ready for sale, sale number one, uh, that's when you should have the coverage, right? Because that's when you are, uh, have that liability or the high level of due diligence and and you don't want to be kind of in uh, you know a rock in a hard place when there is a claim or there's any litigation you want to have that appropriate protection because it is available out there right and for having the right broker or the the specialized expertise as a strategic carrier partner as you can all well appreciate get us involved in the early uh, earlier rather than later in the early stages of product development so we can kind of guide you on what those costs associated are Sometimes those costs are not baked into any kind of budgeting. And when time comes to really purchase an insurance policy, it's like, holy, this is almost three, four times what I'm used to paying. So, uh, again, you know, having the uh, wherewithal to partner with the right people is always paramount, especially in a tough industry that we're in. right. You know, now. I want to really validate what you just said. And, and uh, as someone who I mean, I, I was a county commissioner for 15 years. I was a municipal attorney for 15 years. In private practice, I've done about $5 billion in transactions, and I've been in a cannabis space since 18, and really in an aggressive way the last two and a half years. To have you at the very beginning is critical because it seems to me that your input as you're designing your secu- security, your SOPs, all of the other important issues, your input is critical because once you get that application approved on the municipal and the state level, that's kind of your Bible, I tell my clients. Mm-hmm. So it'd be very nice to have you involved at the very beginning as we're writing the Bible because you would say, you know, this is this slight difference might result in a significant premium difference or increases the chances of underwriting. So I think what Jay just said really struck me, and I think that you actually, you or someone who does what you do, should be part of the team at the very beginning. Many folks, and I actually bring insurance folks in, I bring everybody in at the very beginning. I create the team at the beginning because we are much smarter together and it's better than you know halfway down. But to have your expertise at the very beginning, I think makes all the difference in the world, not only in the quality of the application and the likelihood of approval, but then living within the confines of the application. So I, I, I really appreciate well, your thanks, comment. Thanks for validating that, Lou. And uh, you know, that's that's what it is right it's a proactive approach you know a lot of uh insurance brokers are out there and you know insurance is is in every aspect of every business of every life home auto all that stuff right 
But, you know, simply ticking the box for a property and casualty, and I don't want to get too much in the technical terms of insurance, uh, is not cutting it anymore, especially for our fast-paced cannabis industry. It's taking a, a proactive approach, and we take a lot of pride in having an enterprise offering. It's not just ticking the box and moving on. It's actually helping you grow your business, protecting your employees, protecting your product, protecting your profitability. And it's really important to understand that where, again, sometimes we get calls from our clients and our prospects and our friends in the cannabis industry, and they needed the insurance yesterday or last month, or they're scrambling to provide a certificate to get into their new building, or they are their product is, is hauled up in a shipment for another state because they haven't you know checked you know, all of the protocols and what they needed in advance. So, again, and just I can to validate speak what you New Jersey, but Jay, uh, in the application process, particularly on a local level, the difference of getting that one or two license might be literally out of a 100-point score, two or three points. And the better the story that you're telling early, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. cre- and by the way, that might be the edge. Uh, well, can the, I, can the, I ask well, well, let's tie this into Greta, because I, I mean, I talk, I know, we won't have to talk about the state, but I know you guys are recently involved in application in a big state. Yes. And we don't have to talk about state if you don't want to. Florida. <laughs> Florida, okay. Yes. Wow. Um, so do they ask you about insurance? Do they, yes. you know, the fact that you probably have like product liability insurance on high tide, ladylike shorties and high variety. Variety. I wanted to make sure I got plugs to the get names all, out there. And I'll get you all of those when, high, I, when we get back to Phoenix. High variety. Me, me yes. too, please. Yes. Okay. Yes. The fact that you probably. <laughs> You'll love it. I'll you know, fly to Phoenix. So, You'll so, love it. So do you put that in your Florida application? How does that relate? Yes. Yeah. So those are brands we would bring to the state. You know, that's right. IP and, you know, and product development that we would bring to the state. And we've indicated that in our application, which we I find is, you know, from an insurance perspective is, is the performance bond. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Utah and in Florida, we're required to have a performance bond and then a certificate of surety or a letter of surety to say that, yes, we are insurable. Yes, you maintained, you know, you're able to Absolutely. obtain that performance bond. So that's an that's part of the application and a letter that you'd have to include in that application. Um we have gone through, and I find this interesting, now the Utah is moving away from a performance bond because it's a quite a bit, you know, it's, an, it's a high expense for something that seems ridiculous from an operator standpoint because we know we're going to operate. We've got the cash. This mm-hmm. is, you know, it's, it's nothing that we would ever let default because the value of the licenses well exceeds the performance bond, right? Absolutely. So now Utah it has, um, in, their la- in their last legislative session, we've got them to agree to doing a cash um, a cash account, a liquid cash account in, in equivalent to the, uh, to the performance bond. It's going to be interesting of how they're going to roll that out. It's rolling out next month. Um, but how they're going to verify whether or not I can use my operating, you know, my, our, your operating account as that liquid yeah. cash account, because at no time is it going to go lower or at least from an established operator lower than the million dollars. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that rolls out. Florida has a $5 million performance bond. Mm. So that is a high Big interest number. and a high premium that you've got to pay. I mean, it's likely around forty dollars to $50,000 of something that you'll never touch, never use, um, but it's got to be baked into the cost. And so ultimately those costs get passed on through, you know, through your cost of goods, which obviously, you know, scaling your size of your, um, your organization can drop those costs. So you're not passing that along to your, yeah, your patients. Greta, it's almost barriers of entry, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, you you create all these barriers of entry so that people can, um, you know, be more in favorable terms and it's really harder to get through. But kudos to you on navigating that process. And uh, again, each state is going to have their own set of financial requirements for the application, own set of insurance requirements to not only obtain the license, but also maintain it as well. So, uh, you know, navigating that is tough. There's some wonky laws in a couple of other states that I don't want to, you know, uh, put a spotlight on too much. But again, from a meetup perspective in the southwest, um, 
you know, we have great presence out in uh, Arizona and New Mexico and Utah. And again, from when I started our practice group where there was about 30, 40 very talented individuals across the nation, uh, we have almost 300 plus members and growing across North America. And now it's a little bit more of a collaborative, cohesive kind of national offering that we have that we can have eyes on what's going on in the different states. It's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of presence uh, on the West Coast, Pacific Northwest, because obviously those markets are a little bit more mature and again up in Canada. But these newer states, again, Lou, you know what's happening in the Northeast here. Uh, everybody's just kind of waiting in the winds and, and we're going to be prepared to help out as much as we can because, again, we care about the business um, and, and we're not just in it for, uh, you know, the paycheck. Yeah. Uh, you know, I take pride in us actually caring about the, the how hard it is to operate in this environment. Well, well, insurance is such a necessary evil, just like lawyers, just like us, you know, in the sense of is, is you're a necessary I'm not evil, a lawyer anymore. But it's wonderful. I mean, and, and you don't need it until you need it, you yeah, know. And so exactly. a lot of operators are resistant to want to get it because it's an additional expense that they're already trying to cut costs, especially now given this market. And it's something that you need, just like car insurance, just like health insurance. You need it when you need it. And yeah. especially in this industry, there's always something going wrong. Yeah, and I'm really happy you said that because, again, in the cannabis industry, it's not the traditional AIGs, Chubbs, Travelers, those name brand large insurance companies because they actually are not allowed to play in the cannabis space. Yeah. They have exclusions. They have treaty exclusions. And it's actually against the law and their agreements to, to play in the cannabis space. So we have specialty niche MGA carriers that kind of beat by their own drum. So we hold them accountable as well. We make sure that we help them draft the appropriate wordings so that there's not no surprises at the end of the day when you do need the insurance. And you brought up a great point, the necessary evil. You know, I always try to tell my friends and clients to not treat it as such a evil expense uh, and, and use it as an asset tool to really protect your balance sheet. And if you kind of think about it that way, then you'll know the value of it when, you know, God forbid something well, does happen. on behalf of New Jersey, I can only speak for New Jersey, welcome. Okay, yeah. to both of you, I think, and your experience will be invaluable. Right, I'm very interested, particularly because you have a wealth of experience at lots of different levels. Okay, now the C-suite, but also starting as counsel. I'm very curious about the changes that you see and the challenges and opportunities mm -hmm. from 2016 to today, from, from Arizona and Utah to New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, all a little bit different. I, I would argue it's selfishly, but also I believe it. I think New Jersey has a leg up because I think they mm -hmm. did it right with health, and I think they're pivoting very well. But I'd be very interested, based on your wealth of experience and, and, and the breadth of it, what would be, uh, to those other folks who are listening, mm -hmm. uh, the challenges and opportunities that you see? Obviously, money is a different world. Right. Okay, that's, we all know about that, and it may very well be part of your response, but I'm really interested like globally what you think about it. Absolutely. Yeah, money, obviously, you know, is, is a, a necessity in growing your enterprise. And so you're always caught in a rock and a hard place with money and then your labor, right? Yes. The human element is the most important. You can always find money. You can always figure that out. Another deal can be made. But the human element is the biggest and most important job that I have is creating that team that can allow for expansion. Um, you know, building a team is you know, number one, the most, uh, number one priority, investing in those individuals and looking forward to say is, is what do I want to do? How do I want to expand in, in, in all different facets of the enterprise, whether that's, you know, R&D, that means I've got to go find chemists. I want to go find the individuals that can develop those things. It may be a, it might be a heavy cost to bear and carry on, but you're always developing product in different SKUs to meet the market demand. 
We're constantly um, evolving our formulations. You're constantly looking for new SKUs to bring to the market. And what SKUs do you want to take off? So a challenge, and I want to say is it more of like an opportunity, is really getting to know your marketplace, really understanding who your customers are at your store. Arizona is challenging because it feels like it's always changing in front of you. You're always kind of mm -hmm. keeping up with what is the demand? What are they wanting today? And it plays into what other brands are coming into the market, right. what deals that they're making. My challenge in Arizona is the discounts, is really discounting the value of those brands and the, and the work that people have put in to bring that to the market, I think is really, is really disheartening for me to see because it is extremely hard to get a finished product to market. Um, what I've seen from 2016 to now is an immense amount of uh, regulation, the step up of regulation. And so you're constantly pivoting. And in this industry, like we all are, we're very familiar and um, experienced in pivoting. Because, you know, today the rules are this. Well, next week it's going to be this. And you've got to have a strategy in place to account for the pivot and how you're going to accomplish that. So making sure everybody on your team is well-versed in that, you know, in that was is huge. I like that. I think it's fascinating and it keeps you on your toes. So you're constantly um, fine-tuning your operations. You're constantly looking for an edge in the market because you have to. Otherwise, I mean, if you're not sprinting, you're dead. In this industry, it is moving so fast. Um, you know, it's you've got to keep your eye on the ball, which is why having a um, a very talented legal team, having a very talented compliance team, keeps you out of trouble. Keep having a very talented R and D team that is established is creating those products to bring to market, and having your operations team who are well established in their you know SOPs, mm -hmm. they understand those processes and that customer experience. Those are the things that really differentiate you as a operator in the state, but you can get hung up on one piece of that. Um, Utah a, is a wonderful example is, you know, my drinks, I had those last year, but legislatively they found that those were recreational in nature and I could not argue enough, um, you, know, uh, you know, the pros for it because it really, you know, who we brought it to market for was really cancer patients, those that could not smoke um, those uh, patients that felt that you know they couldn't vape because of their lung conditions, et cetera, and this was a really a tolerable one that didn't make them sick. Uh, it didn't matter. So you you know our job as industry <coughs> leaders are really educating, and I hate the word education because it's so ver it's so um, overused and it's you know it feels like we're kind of placating to the to the to the individual, but it really comes down to educating. Our politicians and our regulators don't understand the expertise that we have and how many you know how long we've been working in this industry. So, you know, I find as a challenge is, is, is changing the dialogue or, or getting our regulators and our legislators to understand that small changes in regulation have a huge impact operationally. So we got, well, sorry. I was going to ask, I was just one more question, just a subset. The New Jersey experience, which mm -hmm. obviously is very exciting. I think you've got a great location. How, how has, how was that experience? The, the, the regulatory process, the application process? I came, we came into it um, later. Um, so I was able to miss what sounds like an absolute headache and nightmare. <laughs> um, being involved in it, you know, ever, you know, for the past six months, it is a challenge. I, you know, it's something very different than I've experienced in other states. Um, it is extremely political. Um, and Utah is extremely political. It just is, you know, Arizona, I would find is the best state that it has politics has been removed, um, but it has its own challenges. Um, yeah, there is they've, a, done, they've done well. I they've agree done with that. well. Yeah. But Utah has been wonderful too, in the sense of you've got regulators that want to work with industry. 
there's a difference. Um, the Utah regulators want to work with industry, want to fi figure out what works best for them that also meets what the, legislation, the legislators want. New Jersey, I think, is driven on the other side. Um, is more reactionary for the operators or trying to figure out where is the next move coming from. You guys, um, New Jersey has a lot more hoops to jump through yes. than Utah, Arizona, or any other state that New I'm Jersey aware of. New Jersey also has uh, a commitment. I think I actually think it's a pretty good balance uh, to deal with the social equity impact without what I think in New, in New York is, is it kind of almost makes it impossible to move forward. Jersey gives you a, a yes. game plan. Yes. And, and one of the things that I have said to my clients is, Follow the rule book. They've given you a coloring book, color inside the line. I would disagree with you respectfully slightly about the political. I would say it's political little p. What does that mean? That means that there is a very important component on the local approval. Mm -hmm. The mayor, the city yes. council, the, the city commission, they have to really buy in or you're dead on arrival. 100%. And, and uh, that I think is ultimately good mm -hmm. because they're responsive. And that's as someone who has been on both approval side right. and not approval side or delay and negotiate. All yes. right. So I, I you know, I, I but I, I think that's fascinating and it really does give you an edge that you have a multi state, multi in this business, I'll call it multi-generational because right. 2016 is generational. Right. I know. Okay. God, I've been here I've, too long. <laughs> it's cannabis too years, long, right? Yes. Yeah. It's like dog years for us. It, it, it moves so fast. New Jersey is such a, I think they've done a fabulous job setting up and really promoting the social equity and the minority business owners. I have not seen that in another state. Where in a way are, that it works though. Yes. Yeah. They prioritize those knowing that those, you know, what other markets, Arizona, for example, has done is that all regular businesses and then social equity. And we're going to call you out though, even though you're never going to be able to uh, qualify and maintain that license, which you know require them all to flip them and sell them, because it's not conducive to social equity. Um, yeah. And I think New Jersey has done it right, and I'm really excited to see how this plays out and rolls out, so that there is an even playing field for people who want to come to the state and have that opportunity. That you know, you need money. We all right. know that you need a lot of money, but at least they would have the license, uh -huh. and now they have a you know they'll have a uh, the opportunity to raise that uh, well, we capital. Like 10 podcasts on some of the themes that we touched on today, including social equity. Uh, but I think the people out there have got to know who you guys are and your level of expertise is just incredible. Uh, closing thoughts and how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do agree. We covered a lot of ground here, too, as well. And I'm sure that we can uh, probably talk all day about all the things that are going on. I mean, uh, in insurance and cannabis, you know, two industries that couldn't be more different. You know, one is moving at the speed of light. And insurance is a little bit slower and methodical and more like molasses. So Hub International, we're just trying to bridge that gap. Uh, everybody's learning. You know, as you mentioned that piece, it, it, we're all learning together. And, you know, we take pride in kind of coaching our clients and actually coaching the insurance industry to bridge those two gaps. And, you know, if you want to reach out to the uh, industry leader, uh, hubinternational.com forward slash cannabis. And one of our great team members will be able to kind of navigate you through uh, your journey in becoming successful in the cannabis industry. Greta? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, you can always find us um, online at our uh, thefloweryshopusa.com. It shows where all of our locations are, and it will also show you where um, our individual brands are. And I'm really excited. I really hope people will um, encourage you to go and explore Ladylike, High Tide, High Variety, and Shorties. Um, and you would all find that on the website. Well, thank you for allowing me to uh, participate. Uh, my name is My name is <laughs> Lou Magazoo. Uh, Lou at lnmlaws.com uh, if you're looking to come into New Jersey. And I would just say uh, I think New Jersey is really a spectacular opportunity, particularly over the next couple of years, uh, because I think we have done a lot of things right and uh, would love to 
speak with folks and I have the opportunity to, uh, I've got the time and the opportunity and the interest. We've done like a hundred possibly media unshackled now with probably like 300, who knows how many members of the industry over since ICBs. It's been a long time. And you've co-hosted like three or four. I know. I'm, I'm, and, I'm, I'm sending a, a bill at some no, point. No, no. Well, no. I, I think you are <laughs> I'm like, enjoying it. You are like my Ed McMahon. I, and, but, but better because but you better. just jump in there with questions. Well, thank you. You should co-host more. I will, I'm will. i available guys, at any time. Absolutely. I think we should do this again more. Sure. We'll do a yeah. road show. Yes. Yeah. Well, we try to keep them short because people tune out after like 20, 25 minutes. But not well, this one, I don't think. Yeah, they, they, absolutely. They we could do, we, we like do absolutely more. But we also have a schedule of people behind us here right now that <laughs> are waiting to get on. So, but we will do another one. Absolutely. Yeah. We could probably do a whole one on each of your brands, which Perfect. is fantastic. Yeah. We could do a whole one on your legal career. We could do a dozen on you. It's just, we could do all kinds of stuff. So, this has been another episode of Mita Unshackled. Thank you to Pure 5, Jack Carrere, Cali FX, our sponsors. I got to get used to saying that. Usually, we don't take sponsors. We do this stuff for free. That's what Mita does. But we're getting a little bit of support now, which is kind of nice. So, thank you guys for being here. And we'll see you in another episode of Meet Unshackled. Thank you. Thank you.